Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. He's talking to the multitude. And he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Well, of course they've got two ears. That's why he's talking to them. So he's not talking about those that have two ears between their heads, one on each side. He's talking about those who have an ear to hear with their hearts. In other words, they were listening, but they were not listening. Now, fellas, you know what I'm talking about. Your wife will say, you are not hearing me. You're listening, but you're not hearing me. My wife and I, Elvira is her name, in case y'all don't know that. And she, when we are, let's just say, in the midst of loud fellowship, (laughs) the pastor and his wife have loud fellowship, okay? I'm being very vulnerable right now. So in the midst of loud fellowship, she'll say to me, you know what? You know what? You're listening, but you're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. And I say to her, honey, I am hearing you. I'm hearing too much of you. That's kind of the problem here. I'm hearing too much of you. But the reason, that's what Jesus is saying to them. He's saying, listen, the reason you weren't hearing is because you're not hearing with your heart. They decided to reject him and therefore they couldn't understand the mysteries of God. Now let's understand something, saints. A mystery in biblical terminology is not a mystery like an Alfred Hitchcock mystery or like a movie and it's a movie mystery. You know, we think of a mystery like that. That's not a mystery. In the Bible, listen, a mystery is something that was concealed in the Old Testament, but is now revealed in the New Testament. I'm going to say that again. It was concealed in the Old Testament and now is revealed in the New Testament. For example, we have Isaiah 53. Isaiah is writing, for he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and, by, by, and for, for our peace, for the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. When Isaiah the prophet was writing this down in Isaiah 53, Isaiah did not know who he was writing about. Isaiah's like, he was wounded for our transgressions. He who was wounded for our transgressions, bruised? Who was bruised? For our iniquities and our chastisement of our pieces upon him. Why? Isaiah didn't understand it. It was, he was being led. Can you imagine that happening? The scriptures are inspired by God. 
the Holy Spirit guiding the hand of Isaiah the prophet. And he's writing about things that he doesn't understand. It's concealed in the Old Testament. But we know in the New Testament, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes, his blood, we are healed. We know that's talking about who? Who? It's very good. So what was Hidden in the Old Testament or concealed in the Old Testament is now revealed in the New Testament. A parable is a mystery to those who refuse to see it. And that's why Jesus quoted Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. Look at verse 11 through 15. Look at verse 11. If you're looking at it, say amen. Now here in verse 11, Jesus actually explains the parable. Notice in verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And those by the wayside in verse 12 are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be what? Saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away. Now, the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they heard, They go out and are choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, they keep it and bear fruit with patience. Stop right there. Jesus, listen, is making it very clear. Saints, no guesswork here. The seed is the word of God. Now, the interesting thing is yesterday I'm doing some study on seeds. And the interesting thing about seeds is everything, watch this, you're going to love it. Everything about seeds or everything that is needed to bring forth fruit is already encoded in the seed, All it needs is to be planted in some soil. And once a seed, whether it be a fruit or a vegetable or whatever, once that seed is planted in some dirt, given a little water, given a little light, that seed has encoded in itself the information necessary to respond when it gets in the dirt. And then it begins to put down some roots And then it sends up a sprout toward the light. And all this happens when the seed is planted. Listen, the same is true of the word of God. Encoded within the word of God is everything that is needed to produce life. Paul told Timothy that God's word has everything in it that we need for life and godliness. It was first Peter chapter one, verse 23. Peter says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Listen, God's word, saints, has power. This book is like no other book written. This is not like the New York Times bestseller, although it kind of has been for a thousand years, whatever. But this book is not like Harlequin Romance. It's not like John Grisham. This is the word of God. And this book, like no other book written, if you hear nothing else I say, please hear me. This book, like no other book written, is living and is powerful. Anybody agree with that? 
This book has power. This book has power. And it's a shame when we, as churches, we don't teach the Bible. It's a shame that we don't honor God because God preserved this book for 2,000 years. And it's a shame when people don't teach the Bible. Many people have come here and they're amazed, and, and it happens fairly regularly, actually, where people come and they are amazed at the size of the church. We have three services. Much of them are just like this, uh, amazed at the diversity of the church. There's all kinds of people. I'm looking in this room right now. There are people from India in this room. There are black people in this room, white people in this room, all kinds of people in this room. People are amazed at this church. Pastors have come and said to me, what is the secret? How do you get everybody to come to church together, they say. And I say, you want to know the secret? He said, yeah. I said, come here, come here, come here. <laughs> Y'all know how dramatic I am. Come here, come here, come here. I go, teach the Bible. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> I go, teach I said, teach the Bible. If you teach the word of God, listen, they, they think it's in the, they think the secret is the cafe. <laughs> the secret is not a latte. They think the secret is a bookstore. Oh man, if you have a bookstore, surely people will come. You got a cafe, surely people will come. Well, you got drums, you got music, it's all of that. No, listen, none of that is why people come to this church. People come to this church because the word of God is taught in this church. <laughs> That's why people come to this church. People come to this church because God's word is being taught. People are learning. And contrary to popular belief, I believe people still want to know what God has to say. People are looking for hope. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. That's all right. People want to hear what God has to say. I believe that. And if we will say what God says, God will change people's lives. Because again, this book is living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it has the power to transform, and it has the power to conform and to change us into the image of God. I believe that. And what's happening is God's word's not being taught. And therefore, churches are dying. People need hope. In this economy, people need hope. In this world, in this country, people need hope. And I honestly believe that hope is found in the seed of the word of God. I believe that. The key to success is not, listen, you know, if you go on a seminary and you're a graduate from seminary, please understand this. The power is not in the sower. The power is in the seed. Did you get me? The power is not in the sower. Listen, I have, many of you know, I've said it and I'll tell you now, I have a 12th grade education. I never went to college. I never went to seminary. I didn't have time for that. I got out of school, out of 12th grade, praise the Lord. I just barely graduated 12th grade. When I graduated 12th grade, my mother was praising the Lord. (laughs) She was like, I can't believe it. There's a God somewhere. I barely got out of school, but, 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 but then, then I went into the military and I never went to seminary. So if there's any proof of the power is not in the sower, I am that example. 
The power is not in the sower. The power and the miracle is in the seed. Now, saints, listen, in the remaining verses, Jesus explains four different types of soil that the seed lands on. Notice in verse 12 in your Bibles, the seed that fell by the wayside are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. In other words, there are those who hear God's word. The seed is cast, but there's no shelter. It's exposed instead of buried in the heart. And this seed fell on hard heart and the birds will snatch it away. As a matter of fact, in Mark chapter 4, verse 15, it tells us that Satan comes immediately and takes away what was sown. Isn't that true? Whenever God's word is being sown, cast, thrown, or taught, Satan is punctual. Did you hear me? Satan is punctual to try to steal God's word. That's why, guys, listen, you know if you've been attending this church for a time that we uh, encourage children to be in the youth sanctuary. If you're a first-time visitor here, that's fine. You're welcome to be in the sanctuary with your children. But um, because you're checking the church out, you're not really sure. We might be crazy, wacko, cult people, and you might have to get out quick. So you sit on the back row in case you have to get out quick. I understand that. But we try to have the children in the children's ministry to be ministered on an age appropriate level because we're trying to protect the word of God from being snatched away. I don't know about you, but I know coming up as a child when I thought of church and I remember like 17, 18 years old before I was a Christian. Whenever I thought of church, I told you this. Whenever I thought of church, I thought of pain. Because I come from the old school. When you come to church, everybody sit in church together. All the kids sit on the row. And, and, and if you're doing something, you're just being a kid. I mean, you're four or five years old. You're not thinking about the pastor talking about what the Greek word is for parabole. You're thinking about tearing up a Bible. <laughs> and so you do what kids do. You tear up Bibles. And then you get popped. Don't you remember those days you're like doing what kids do? You're you're tearing the Bible. Like, stop, stop. Boy, I said, stop. (laughs) You think of pain. And then I remember these days, you get out of line in church. I remember even somebody that wasn't even your family member take you out of church into the bathroom, tear up your psyche, (laughs) and bring you back in the sanctuary. And all of a sudden, you're a new person. You know, oh, nowadays, oh, no, they don't, they don't do that. Oh, you're like, oh, Pastor, oh, I can't believe you're talking about beating the children, tear up their psyche. Oh, nowadays, people would go, now, if you don't act right, you're going to have time out. <laughs> time out. I told y'all, time out in our language back in the day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Back in the day, time out meant knocked out. <laughs> Does that make sense there? I'm trying to bring it down so you can get it. Time out meant knocked out. But I thought of pain. I thought of it. So what happens is when somebody brings the children in or maybe you need to leave the sanctuary for some reason, we encourage people to get a seat in one of the overflow rooms. We have four or five of them. We have a mommy's cry room. You can see the service from wherever you are in either building. We encourage you to get a seat there because you know what happens when the word of God is being taught and somebody gets up, say you have to get up and you have to use the restroom. and You've got to step out. You get up immediately. What happens? All eyes on you. I mean, I've seen it. People stand up to go out for whatever important reason, and all of a sudden it's like, shh, 
And people are thinking, where are they going? I'm up here preaching my heart out sweating. <laughs> and y'all thinking about where are they going? And your attention is taken. And listen, don't you be deceived. Because it is right at that time when God has a word for you, a specific word for you that's going to make a difference in your situation, that's going to make a difference in your life. It's at that time that Satan will use that person. If Satan can use Peter. Jesus said, Peter, Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Satan will use that person to distract, to snatch away what God wants to pour, pour into your life and into your heart. At that very moment, you missed it. So we encourage you to get a seat and not come back in because if you come back in again, the same thing happens. All eyes on you and you're not getting what God has for you. And I'm amazed at how, you know, if, if you go to a movie and that movie's three hours long, you will sit there and not move. <laughs> I, for, people sit in the movie, you have to go to the bathroom. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The movie's long. It's like nine hours long. And you got to go to bed and you will sit there and you're like. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Sit right there, watch that movie. You will not move. But when you come to church, all of a sudden, 30 minutes, you'll be like, you know, it's time for me to step out and check my text message. It's kind of weird. So we need to be mindful that we're not being distracted from the word of God. Notice in verse 13 in your Bible, some seed fell in stony places or rocky places. Now notice this here. This is the emotional hearer, a good sermon, a tender appeal, songs that touch the heart. Touched by a sermon on Sunday, forgets it on Monday. This person lives on impulses and impressions and intuitions and instincts and circumstances they're excited about the word of God. Maybe they just came from a men's retreat or a women's retreat and they're all amped up and they're excited about Jesus. But then when persecution or pressure or difficulty comes, then they don't just fall. Notice what your Bible says. They fall away. Interesting. And then in verse 14, some seed fell among the thorns. In other words, the seed goes out, it hits the soil, it starts to spring up. But it's choked out by the weeds, choked out by the cares of this life. Now, according to the Bible, the cares of this life is worry and pleasure and money. Now, don't get it wrong. Nothing wrong with money. Listen, nothing wrong with money. It's actually pretty handy. <laughs> you ever thought about money like that? Money's handy. And money is a great tool to use against the devil. But the Bible says nothing wrong with money. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. So if you love it, nothing wrong with possessions. The problem is if your possessions possess you. That's the problem. Nothing wrong with money, but it's what you do with that money. You can't love that money, but sometimes don't you wish... You had lots of money, so you didn't love it. Isn't that twisted? It's like, Lord, give me a million dollars so I can see how much I don't love it. Just, just kind of twisted. But we got to be watchful. We got to be watchful about the weeds and the cares of this world. Isn't it interesting? You plant your garden. You don't have to plant weeds. Weeds just grow up. You have to pull them out. 
but you don't have to plant weeds. They're already there. And the Bible says, listen, all of our hearts are kind of weedy, if you will. You come into the world with a weedy heart because we're sinners when we come into the world. We have weeds in our hearts and weeds in our lives that need to be pulled up and moved out by the word of God. Finally, in verse 15, some seed fell on good ground. They hear the word. They understand the word. They receive the word in good ground. These are those who hear the word and it takes root and it brings forth a hundredfold. These are true believers who have changed lives and they bear fruit. And one of the other gospels tells us some fruit of 160 and 30 fold. In other words, there are different degrees of fruitfulness. All believers will bear fruit, but some some will bear more fruit than others because they are more committed to Christ. So some will bear different levels of fruit. That verse about 160, 30 fold have nothing to do with money. There are people who will tell you, if you give to God, he will give back to you some 160, 30 fold. That has nothing to do with money. And as a matter of fact, that really isn't has anything to do with the kingdom. That's just pure investment, what they're talking about. That's just investment. I give to something and it gives me back. Well, listen, if I give $1 and you're going to give me back $100, that's an investment and it's a smart one. Amen. That has nothing to do with money. It's talking about the fruit that you bear from your life. So the point of the parable, listen, saints, in closing, is not the sower or the seed. The point of this parable is the soil, which represents the heart. It's how the seed of the word of God is landing on your heart. The point of the parable is how you hear and receive the word of God. The point of the parable is how the word of God changes your life or not. How it changes your life or not. Can I tell you something? It is pointless to come to church Sunday after Sunday, week after week, and hear the word of God, and it has no effect on your life. That's pointless. And quite honestly, I'd be honest with you and tell you, if that would be the extent of Christianity, that you just come to church on Sunday and put clock your time in and come to church on Sunday and you've done your duty. I don't know that I'd want to have anything to do with Christianity. If that's all it's about is coming to church and that's it. When you come to church, you should come to church to hear the word of God and then to take it away and go and do it. It should have some effect on your life. And if you're coming to church, I've told you this in the past, I tell you again, if you're coming to church and you're hearing the word of God and you continue to hear the word of God, but you're not changed by the word of God, listen, danger, Will Robinson, danger. Because hearing the word of God, look, y'all not getting me. Hearing the word of God is dangerous. Coming to church is dangerous. How so? Because when you hear God's word taught, then you have no excuse when you get to heaven and stand before God and give an account for your life. Someday, don't you realize we're all going to stand before God? Two things happen in this life that you can't, you have no control over. Your birth and your death. Amen. 
we're all going to die. Statistics prove 100 out of every 100 people die. Everyone. (laughs) Did you get that? Okay. I want to make sure I'm feeding the sheep and not giraffes, right? 100 out of every 100 people die. We're all going to die someday. And someday we're going to stand before God. And God's going to ask you, what did you do with what you knew? about my word. What did you do with my son, Jesus? And yes, you went to church every single Sunday, but what were you a doer of the word? You are held accountable for that which you know. That's why coming to church can be dangerous because if you've been going to church for 20, 30 years and you have a lot of knowledge about the Bible, but you're not doing it, well, God's going to hold you accountable for that. That's why we need to be doers of the word and not just hearers only deceiving ourselves. Not just hearers only, but doers of the word. How are you hearing? He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.